beliefs always give birth to values. If I believe I am the most important person in the world, you will see values of selfishness or arrogance or all those other values, but it's a belief system. And so what happens in organizations going through change or storms, number one, the event, the change is not the issue. It's how it's being communicated. Can they understand where we're going and why? And are they able to feel that they are a part of the solution, not just a stone in the shoe? And that means a leadership model, and this is profiling, but this is why women in leadership are actually far more effective because they get relationship. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your happy host, Amber Hurdle, and I am happy today because I get to geek out with my guest on a topic that you all know. I absolutely love, love, love. Now, I don't have any key announcements today. There's really nothing to um, direct you to. So we're just going to dive right in. And I highly suggest that if you're not driving or on a treadmill, that you take notes on this episode, because I think there's some pretty transformational um, experiences and solutions that you're going to get from our guests today. So let me tell you about our workforce wellness expert and culture alignment specialist, John Robertson. Inspired and driven by his values, John acts as a facilitator, coach, and guide for his clients as they test, discover, and expand what they can do. He uses concrete, verifiable processes to help them achieve demonstrable solution-focused results. Remaining faithful to his passions and principles, John invests himself in his vocation without reservation. He provides spirit-filled, insightful guidance that his clients use to amplify their lives and businesses. John truly provides leadership people can follow through storms and sister i know that if you're listening to this or watching this you have been through some significant storms because that's what gives you the chutzpah to be a bombshell so john welcome to the bombshell business podcast all right thank you for welcoming me and i look forward to our conversation as well and kind of let's just jump right into it i love it yeah so we talk about workplace wellness and that's kind of a buzz term and not everybody even really understands what that means does that mean we're supposed to get on a treadmill at work or can you can you talk about what you mean by wellness and organizational health okay first of all and i i'm really glad you've asked this because that term actually drives me nuts because <laughs> i hate it but because most people define healthcare or wellness as not being sick hmm. Well, that's the worst definition in the world. Just because I'm not sick doesn't mean I'm healthy. So with the listeners, with as an individual, what I do is just encourage people. What does it mean for you to finish well? For example, one of the most important pieces to finishing well is what does success mean Mm. in relationships, in our emotional health, uh, in psychological health? In physical health is self-explanatory, but what about relational health? And the one that we are seeing now a lot is moral wellness. Am I walking the talk? You know, at the end of the day, I'll be blunt. 
I don't want everybody to like me. I got three kids and one wife and one son-in-law who they don't even like me all the time. <laughs> the key is, can you trust, respect, and follow me even if you don't like me? Oh, so good. Tell me more about that. So for example, most people, I should, that might be exaggeration, but since I do some speaking, uh, I'll use that term, but realistically, many people define themselves as what they don't like. And what's happening right now in our culture society is this is becoming viral epidemic. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't. If you want to have fun with people's heads, when they say that, ask, you know what? I really appreciate you sharing me, sharing with me what you don't like. What do you like? What do you want? Yeah. And leaders that finish well are defined by what they are for, not what they are against. Mm. Ooh, say that one more time. Leaders are... Leaders who finish well are defined by what they are for, not what they are against. And by the way, that's actually one of the biggest things for making easy decisions. Not simple, but if I decide to find what I'm for, that means there are certain things I will say no to. And I lose zero sleep, zero energy over it because I'm not for those things. This is what I'm for. You know, I, I in reflecting back on different leaders in some of the organizations that I served um, through my employment, I remember some of those people. And even if I reflect on teachers or professors in college and high school, I didn't necessarily like everyone that had authority over me, but I did have respect for them. And that's really all I needed. Like, I didn't necessarily like them. Like, I didn't want to go hang out with them, but... I respected what they were able to accomplish. I saw that they were effective in their role. I knew that I could trust them to provide me with the tools and resources I needed to be successful. And at the end of the day, like that's all I needed in that environment. And and I don't know if that's like a personality thing that like, I don't have to like you to be able to respect you or if that's a learned behavior, like where does that come from? It, for me, what I've discovered, and this is more anecdotal than it is research, it's a chicken in the egg. Yeah. Some people, and children do this quickest, dogs are second. They will pick up on qualities about that person that the adult will not see, and the child or dog will not go to that person no matter what we do. Yeah. And cats are easy because cats will go to people that don't like cats so the the model doesn't work with them but dogs and children yeah and and i've seen it way too often and about two to three years after i see something in that person that now i know why that dog did not want to go near them yeah and and part of what you put your finger on is like I was working with one workplace and she is the principal directors. I can't remember her exact title, but we started walking through some of these things and Carrie and I were chatting about what she was for. And cause they had a couple stone in the shoe employees, which is a really G rated way of wording that, but, and it didn't matter what the meeting was. These stone in the shoe people always chimed in with what they didn't like what they didn't agree with yada 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 
we started doing some of the work with this workplace and i got an email from her last week to say john just as an fyi after our work we had our first positive constructive helpful staff meeting that we have had in the years i've been here and even the stone in the shoe people were pointed out by others to either she said they worded it nicer but step up to the plate and do your do get engaged or maybe it's time for you to leave or retire and it was like wow is that and you know who pays the price right it's not your poor leaders it's the good leaders that'll pay the price for the stone in the shoe people right yeah and then that's that toxic um just naysayer attitude of it just can put such a wet blanket on any effort um i've always had a i don't want to call it a policy because i'm such a rule breaker i don't know if i've ever existed in business with policies but i've had an expectation of anyone who works with me whether they're direct report or they're you know contributing or even a vendor that i don't want to hear about problems don't come to me with problems come to me with solutions if if you see something that you do not like if you see something that you think is is going to harm the result that we're trying to achieve then come to me with how you think it should be done better I can translate that that means there's a problem, (laughs) but I want to hear your ideas. And then if we're always forward thinking solution oriented, then we never get in that vortex of negativity ever. And I just, I I have such little tolerance for that as somebody who's been through a lot in my life um, to, to know that there's a spiral of doom if you continue to just be negative Nancy or negative Ned. And, and what's making it worse today is media cultures, et cetera, whatever, thrives on it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, and I don't know if it's a word, but it becomes vulturish uh-huh. because they're looking for more dead things to feed on. Mm-hmm. And, and what's starting to happen, and you and I were chatting a little bit about North American football. One of the things that leaders have to do is build a huddle. And that is a group of leaders whose heads and hearts are together. They're talking about the play they want to run. But the rest of the world just sees their bumps because the minute you listen to the experts in the stands, because they know exactly what the people in the field should be doing, the minute we listen to those naysayers, the experts in the stands, we get our heads out of the game that we're meant to be playing on the field And one of the biggest hurdles that happens, especially with leaders who have personalities, and I know that sometimes it gets profiled bias as women or female in leadership. It's not as simple as that. Our daughter is an incredibly gifted leader. However, she doesn't, my grandma's expression was, she doesn't suffer fools gladly. (laughs) which creates a whole other dynamic because now all this baggage about, well, she's not much of a female, whatever that means. And when leaders define who and what they are for, it allows that stuff to be heard like the teacher off of Charlie Brown, just the wah, 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 because it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then what comes out of that is 
each leader surrounding themselves with people who will encourage them to say, you know what, Amber, I saw this going on. I'm seeing this behavior. I, I'd like to offer this observation to say, I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it would work with you. However, the perception of what I'm seeing is the following. Here's an idea. Do with it what you want. Hit delete. I don't care. But I just wanted to give you an observation. And that happens in that huddle from the people who are invested in your success. I call it friendly fire. Okay. Yeah. That's like, it's so important. And I would rather, I would rather somebody who wears my Jersey tell me that I've got spinach in my teeth than someone who I don't have some, any type of emotional connection with any type of trust built up because then you're like, you're not even sure is this accurate? Like I need to get additional data to see if this is even something I should worry about. But if somebody who knows me and is invested in my success tells me, honey, you got some spinach in your teeth that you might want to take a look at. I'm busted out of the mirror right then and there because I can trust it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, a lot of this negativity happens when there's change. And I I do a lot of work in the M&A world. So businesses are either, you know, quickly growing through acquiring other businesses or they're about to be acquired or they're in, you know, a round of funding. And now they're, you know, serving multiple masters there. You know, there's just a lot going on and there's constant change that develops friction in organization. Now we're really worried about workplace wellness, if you will. Tell me about if there's change or things feel really intense because something negative has happened, which will then create change. Mm-hmm. Where do we begin from there? I, I, you say that like the event is never the real crisis or the change no. is not the crisis. What's going on that is the the problem we need to pay attention to? So a couple pieces, and I'm going to go really high IQ for the listeners. If they, if you do not know what a teeter-totter is, you will not follow my example. But the fulcrum. <laughs> Millennials and below, just check out. For the next <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not profiling, but anyways, Squirrel, the one of the things that happens is the fulcrum in a teeter-totter is how that is what I call the traditional crisis response. How the event gets handled is more important than anything else. So, for example, change. Many people get so focused on the task at hand, they, in many ways, they lower their head to try and move things forward. Communication goes the way of the dinosaur, and as a result, people are left with their perception of the lowered head driving things forward, which is a law of physics that says any object in motion gathers friction. It's just a law of physics. So if an organization is not gathering friction, well, we got a problem because it's not in motion. But But the second part of that is how is that message getting communicated? So one of the things that always happens to stressed people, as a human being, our brain does the fight, flight, freeze, appease. Some people are calling appease fawning, but call it whatever you want. What's happen- What happens is when we are in that stressed brain place, communication has to be dumbed down, simplified, because otherwise, you know, I might know what M&A means. When I'm stressed, 
I have no idea what you just talked about. Yeah. And I, I it's so funny because when you said that, I was like, I did not say what M&A is. It just rattled off my mouth. It's mergers and acquisitions. It's it's any company that is involved in either merging with another company or acquiring another company or being acquired by a company. So thank you. And, and Amber, I, I highlight that because one of the things that happens is when we're not stressed, our brain is able to process, oh, I know what that meant. When we're when we are stressed, the brain doesn't have that capability. It's a survival instinct in the human being. And so one of the things that I this is my sweet spot. I love helping those organizations transform that response because they end up spending money and time on programs and leadership and all these other things that have an ROI of less than a year. And and so reframe that discussion dumb the conversation down to say, here's what we're doing. And the most important part is, and why are we doing it? Because that's the value statement. Mm -hmm. And the number of people that you and I were chatting about that man that you know, that has some indigenous background. One of the reasons that I love some different cultures is we get to talk about beliefs and beliefs always give birth to values. If I believe I am the most important person in the world, you will see values of selfishness or arrogance or all those other values, but it's a belief system. And so what happens in organizations going through change or storms, number one, the event, the change is not the issue. It's how it's being communicated. Can they understand where we're going and why and are they able to feel that they are a part of the solution not just a stone in the shoe Mm -hmm. and that means a leadership model and this is this is profiling but this is why women in leadership are actually far more effective because they get relationships which in a total aside moment is why women do retirement far better than men do when men retire they lose their title so therefore who are you when women retire retire they don't give a rip what title they retired with it was all the other things that they define themselves or evaluate themselves by Mm. and leading through a storm the relationship is number one imperative and it cannot be defined by the leader it has to be defined by the receiver, whatever you want, the recipient, whatever you want me to call that person on the other side of the fence. Because if I think, well, you know, John and Amber had a great conversation. Yeah, we got a great relationship. And you hear, holy frig, that John just did not shut up. Like he just went verbal diarrhea. We're not on the same page. Well, and that's, you know, that is the challenge of communication is that the message that I think I'm sending isn't always the message that the receiver is receiving. And so it doesn't so much matter what I think as much as it matters that you that I said it in a way that you can understand. And Um, the way I teach that, Amber, is communication is never what's said, always what's heard. mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and if if when I'm doing the training on this in a joking way, I say, if you want to understand what I'm talking about, talk to a teenager when you're stressed because of the brain dead thing they just did. Yeah. <laughs> and watch the look. Did you think about what might happen? And they will give you one. 
No. <laughs> Never crossed their mind. That's the communication piece when we are leading through crisis, change, or storms. Well, and, you know, John, we have definitely experienced some crisis and storms in recent years, and they're... Yeah. It's not ending anytime soon. There, there's some businesses and some different uh, verticals that really have been able to leverage the events of the past several years, whether it's through the pandemic or economic circumstances or even the social injustice issues that we have um, really had to contend with. And they've been able to use that as an opportunity for growth. Um, you know, like with the pandemic, hotels shut down yep. and that was a huge struggle and they had to lay off their teams. Meanwhile, the vacation rental space grew exponentially, had the most yep. funding from private equity firms and hi history ever. And so, like, you know, it was just kind of like a tale of two different hospitality worlds and in, in the industry. So when we're thinking about crisis or extreme change that might create some crisis, how can we reframe that as an opportunity and not just fall down and let it happen to us? Okay. And I can't give credit to where it's due, but if we go to the Greek mm. of crisis, it's actually spelt with a K. So crisis, and it has four elements. Number one, or the first three are the most obvious, it's unexpected threat to oneself or well-being, threat to goals. But it's the fourth definition that's the key. That fourth definition of crisis is that point where the current or the status quo is no longer sustainable. Mm. Sounds like my life for the past couple of years, John. But it's <laughs> a whole for, other episode. <laughs> well, and yeah. And, and I mean, how many of us, and I mean, people were smoking for more than medicinal purposes because they got into thinking that when things go back to normal, yeah normal died it's not even on life support yeah so therefore what does the new norm look like and that requires proactive not reactive and that's another point that i would love to encourage your listeners to be thinking about what would or what will things look like when we get through this transformation, this change, this storm, this crisis, whatever you want to call that fulcrum point. Because in North America, we have to have an end zone that we're trying to put the ball into. Mm -hmm. And and whether it be as an individual leader, whether it be as a leadership team, organizationally, and I'm not talking about the branding, the vision and the mission and all those other things. I'm talking about what's an end zone that I want to, switching analogies, I want to row towards even when I'm hitting rapids or waterfalls or some of those other obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because if you have that common goal, it's like it's something people can rally around a destination. I, I, jo I don't joke. I'm sorry. I, I talk about it like a road trip. So mm -hmm. you get all your friends and you you get in the car and are you are you driving by car because it's the most efficient way or are you driving for the experience? And so we always want to know where we're going because then we have we have 
confidence that the end destination is in clear focus. But let's just say that there's, you know, there's a wreck on the interstate. So we've got to veer off. We're going to get off at this exit. We're going to take some back roads. So we're going off plan a little bit, right? Because we have to, because this pop-up happened, but we always know how to get back on, on path. Or it might be that we're like, huh, that looks interesting. Let's veer off just to experience this and see if we want to take that experience and, and use it moving forward. But we're still have the goal in mind. So it doesn't matter who's in the car. It doesn't matter why you got off track. You always have that end destination in the GPS that everybody in the car has agreed to. And it gives you peace and it gives you something that instead of everybody saying, oh, I think we should go this way. Oh, I think we should go that way. It brings community and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cohesion to yeah. to the group. Um, and, and the other thing that it does, what's that? Yeah, and Sorry. then you enjoy the journey, even when it's hard. Like some of my best lessons in life have been from really difficult business seasons or very difficult seasons of my life. And it wasn't necessarily the most fun, but I treasure that part of the journey because of what it set me up for. And that's exactly what I was just going to say. Because if you look at where most of the good stories come from in our trips, yeah, it's not the stories where it was all sunshine and smooth sailing. Yeah. It was that, holy smokes, do you remember that time we were up to our neck in alligators? I thought we were toast. Yeah. And I remember I was doing some training in upstate New York and we ended up following, I kind of doing the, well, I know where we're going. I think we know where we're going kind of approach and we ended up down this road and it was textbook out of any one of those movies of streets you don't want to be on after 10 o'clock at night <laughs> and and all of a sudden and i'm thinking how are we going to get out of here and people in the car with me could feel my stress coming out in my curtness in my tone my voice and the red and blue lights came on the rear view mirror and my reaction was not because everybody, oh, John, what did you do? And my reaction was, oh, thank goodness. So when the cop came up to the window, I rolled the window down and I said, yes. His question was, uh, sir, I saw your tags. What are you doing in the license plate? What are you doing in this part? Um, I'm not trying to be in this part, but I have no idea how to get out of this part of town. And he laughed and he said, you will now have an escort. Nice. Follow me. And it was, and what do we talk about in the trip? Not yeah. all the things we saw. Do you remember us getting that police escort to get out? It was like, yeah, exactly. Like y'all don't belong here. I can tell that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you are such the wrong plates and person and everything else to be in this area. And, and one of the things that happens with leadership, if we get so focused on the goal, we overlook the how, but if we focus only on the how, we may never get to the goal. And the stories are the combination when those two forces align. For those who do not know how to drive a standard, a manual shift, you have no idea what I'm about to describe. But when the focus and the how align, it is like the perfect clutch and shift mm. coming onto the freeway highway that you just want to rewind it and say, oh, I got to do that all over again. That was so perfect. Yeah. I love that. I love that analogy. 
Um, so we've talked a lot about circumstances and what happens in an organization and how we respond and and like the better ways of doing things. But really, everything that we just talked about has to be driven by the leadership. So yes. how do we uh, develop leaders who are trusted, who people can, whether they like them or not, how do we develop leaders to be trusted by lots of different personalities through the storm? Okay. So my book is, the first one is Run Toward the Roar, but Run Toward the Roar leadership is built around two things, qualities and qualifiers. And the qualities are the term, the acronym I call ACEs. So authenticity, if you meet me at the ballpark, if you meet me at church, if you meet me at work, if you meet me at the grocery store, are you meeting the same person? Mm -hmm. Yep. Commitment. Commitment is not what I think I'm committing to. That's that communication piece that you and I chatted about. What did you hear me commit to? Enthusiasm is, you know, just Amber, I'm so excited to be on this podcast like hey john just a touch more enthusiasm and then service or servanthood or whatever you want to call that serving versus not my job yeah yeah and and yeah. i love the way william bridges describes it in he calls it managing transitions but he uses moses leading leading the people out of egypt and he calls it an mbwa and Moses has been walking around. And what Moses did is he visited the family campfires. And one of the things to lead as a trustable, followable, respectable leader through storm is open doors don't work. Open door policy, it's never going to work. We have to touch in on their family campfires. Yep. But it has to be modeled by those qualities of authenticity, of commitment, of enthusiasm and a willingness to serve. Oh, listen, don't worry about that. I got it. Not a big deal. And, you know, honor the most important people in the company, in the organization. By the way, those aren't the ones with the titles. It's the ones that people listen to and the admin custodial types, because they know who everybody is. They know what's going on. And the result of that is we're getting an accurate pulse of the organization. But the second part of that is the organization is getting an accurate pulse of of John, of whoever you are as the leader. And the nice thing, Amber, is it means they don't have to like you and I. But if they meet you and I wherever, they see that same snapshot caricature of who we are. Yeah. And that's one reason, like when we go in and we do employer branding through Employer Brand Central, um, my other company, it's very important that we do executive profiles because... Yeah. It's it's trying to extract and then promote the reasons why employees should consider them trusted, credible leaders. And yeah. when you're able to do that, when you like when you said, am I the same person at the grocery store as I am in the boardroom, as I am, you know, at my son's basketball game or whatever, the answer should be yes. That's not to say that you you won't show up a little bit differently or maybe your communication style might be a little bit different. But by and large, who you are and, and the value that you bring to the table should be pretty consistent. And um, and I think, 
you know, what, what I'm hearing you say is that establishing that trust going back to, I don't need you to like me. I just need you to respect me. That's the winning formula. And I, I don't even need you to respect me. I'm going to show you that I'm respectable. What you choose to do with that is beyond my control. So good, John. <laughs> Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> and, we do, don't we? Take so much ownership of how other yeah. people receive us and experience us, and that's not on us. And you know what? It's here's what I said I was going to do. Here's what I said what I'm for. Here's my focus. What part of what I am doing does not reflect that? Yeah. You know, that's one of my one of my personal qualifiers of who I allow into my personal life is words and actions have to align. If they don't, bye bye. I have no space for that. I'm way too busy. I, I like myself too much to invite having to try to guess about somebody's character. And and I think that as a leader, if your words and your actions align, then you can confidently leave it up to other people to decide what they think about you. And you can lay your head down at night and know you've done everything that yeah. you need to do to be an effective leader. And I want to pick up on a word that people are throwing around today that you just mentioned, character. Mm -hmm. And I actually play with people's heads doing this because <laughs> character can be spelled A-C-T-E-R. There's an like C-H-A-R-A-C-T-E-R. Play with people's heads and spell it A-C-T-O-R. Okay. An actor is what a person is on stage. Ooh. An actor, E-R, is what we are in the dark when nobody's watching. Yeah. So, whew, that's good. And, and so if, if I want you to trust, to be trustable, to be respectable, my ER must match my OR. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. That is and, it. And and the other part of that, obviously, is when people are in stress or in crisis, they're not broken. We don't fix them. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure because I'm going to take a guess that you're over 21. But <laughs> one of the things that happens is we've all had those people try and fix us and, and it's like whoa way way over the line here's two quarters go call somebody who cares <laughs> and and one of the things that we have to remember is that when people are going through crisis change storms there's nothing to fix they're not broken right. let them vent let them barf out what they're really thinking and feeling because that will actually help them get their head back in the game. For sure. And and they need to feel heard and, oh. and understood and seen. Uh, if there's anything that I believe with every ounce of me is that each of us truly want to be seen for who we are, not who you're, what you're projecting on me or what you're assuming about me or what so-and-so said about me. Like, not everybody understands how to get all of that out and to be able to express that through word or deed. Um, but we want it so badly to be seen and accepted for who we are. Um, and I think that just everything that you've talked about so far honors an environment where that is the expectation. Well, it's the, and it's the only one that works because if we don't have that, we end up in an environment that will drain our battery. 
sure. to go back to where we started, that wellness will not happen and that we will not finish well. And I just want to end, uh, share on a personal example, because I want to honor your time. Part of a hockey team, our, one of our sons did very well in hockey. And so he was kept playing up levels. And we got to a point where, no, you're not playing up to the next level because we like these parents. <laughs> and and if I'm spending this much time in the stands, just like a workplace, I am not going to spend it with unhealthy, toxic people. And there was two parents. One was the goalie's mom. And she was always, well, the son's name is William, but everybody called him Will. Put Will on the ice. Why isn't Will on the ice? He can't stop the puck all by himself. Get Will on the ice. And this mom would start chirping in the stands. And the dad, and of course, all the parents would laugh. And then there was one dad that would do the just typical dad thing. He was a principal at a school. He would, oh, great play, great play. And then when his son got the puck, it would be, James, skate. <laughs> and it was just hilarious to watch how he portrayed himself to his son, but watched who he was with all these other kids. And what made it so the place that everybody, we enjoyed about games and the practices because the fellowship was there. What happens in a workplace if we play to compete, if we share a common goal, if I can be the employee that you need in the stands and you're on the ice or field doing your thing, then we get to have a fellowship in our workplace that is the place that people want to work. And guess what? That means that you're building a cohesive team and who wins? The best teams win, yeah, not the best always. individual. Michael Jordan did not win championships right. by himself. He'll tell you right now, without a Scottie Pippen, there was no Michael Jordan. Without Dennis Rodman rebounding like he did and and messing up parts of the game, they wouldn't <laughs> have been who they are. So yep. it's the team and it isn't our responsibility for leaders to, it, it's our job to create that environment of wellness, if you will, yep that affords each of the contributions of every single human being that comes together to be in the stands or on the on the ice or wherever to come together as a team and win, not as individuals. And don't try and play the same positions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't need to be a, whatever, an MLB level baseball coach. And if we only have short stops. Yeah, you're in trouble. Who's handling third with those wobble balls coming at you? Like, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Absolutely. I don't know. The stop's good enough. I guess he could run over there, but I saw it happen yeah. yesterday, as a matter of fact. But no, to your point, like everybody has a role to play. And, you know, and I think about, like you said something earlier that made me think about, you know, really, truly leaders, the leader of the team really is, it's not the pitcher, it's the catcher. Because what does the catcher do? The catcher sees the whole game. They, and now this ridiculous pitching clock, whatever. They can see everything that's happening. They know, you know, who's trying to take a lead, who's trying to steal a base. They know all the signs. They know what ball's coming. They know who, what this guy's about to try to hit. They know everything. And they're able to coach the pitcher who then sets the tone of the game. To me, leaders in business are the catchers of the game. Since we're, since we're all about analogies this time, let me just throw one more in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to your comment, that change around the pitcher's clock is just a reflection of the value statement. Mm -hmm. 
where did that come from? Fans. Don't want to sit anymore. And so it's just a value statement. So why are people focused on what fans think? Because who's pan? That's right. Yeah, for yep. sure. It's making it's making some um some exciting uh base stealing happening too. So yes, it will. Yes, it will. It, it will change the game. Yeah. It will, yeah. So I always like to wrap up each episode. Um, and you've given so much good soup on this episode, as I knew you would. Um, I always like to ask, what final parting piece of advice would you offer a bombshell, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business? And we'll throw our bombshell boys in there as well. What's that piece that you're like, if, if I could just make you think about one thing, this is what I want it to be. Actually, it's really simple. How would you like people to describe you non-physically? Ooh, yeah. And that goes all the way back to Jeff Bezos' um, definition of personal branding. And that is your personal brand is what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. Yeah. And that How do you want up. people to describe you non-physically? And that's the most important word, non-physically. Hmm. I think that would be a fun thing to just put on your Facebook page. Be like, hey, I'm just curious. How would you describe me non-physically? And see what type of responses you get. And that will help you determine... You know, what do people value in me and how can I amplify that more to create more impact in my organization? I'm a coward. I did it with my three kids when I was driving, so I didn't have to see their faces. <laughs> and and I said, how would you describe your dad non-physically? Our daughter, she's that type A, just, I know that you love your job. Other son, I know that you love your work. Other son, I know that you love what you do. And then nothing but crickets. And my wife not only threw me under the bus, she drove the bus. She said, so any other questions you need to ask us right now, John? But that was my ESPN or TSN turning point because I did not want my kids to say, dad, love what he love loves what he does and not be able to say anything else. So that's where that question comes to your listeners. How do you want people to describe you non-physically? Because that's the key of finishing well. I love it. Ah, love ending on such great advice. So good. Now, uh, John, we can find you in Fort Log Services at fortlog.co. Um, we can find you on LinkedIn and Bombshell. You know, I want you connecting with our guests on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is where business gets done. And no, you don't get cat videos or TikTok dances, but you get connection yeah. and get fed business acumen and thought leadership. And that's really where if you're going to take time on social media, I implore you to hop over to LinkedIn so we can find John there. He's John Robertson dash Fort Log on LinkedIn. And then we can find Run Towards the Roar on Amazon. Yes, we can. Yes, you can. Yep. So, And the other option is just shoot me an email and it's John at, but that's and the landing page for this is simple fortlog.co forward slash uh, bombshell um brain cramp sorry bombshell <laughs> business okay so and, we'll put that in the show notes um okay. and then you can get what what are people going to find when they go to fortlog.co forward slash bombshell business just a, an initial landing page to say where do you want to go if you want to because I'm a firm believer of I'm not going to sell widgets. Let's have that conversation. Sure. Same. And that's the focus of that landing page of let's have that conversation, not 
if you click here, you can buy this amazing Ginsu. <laughs> and if you order now, we'll include a second one for free. No need to get married. Let's just have a cocktail in a chat real quick. That's all <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. I like your style. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Bumshell Biz podcast. And um, I told you before the show or actually yesterday that Amy, who picks all of our guests, and I were, were really looking forward to this. And you certainly did not disappoint. That's awesome. Thank you. And I really, really appreciate it. Just how yesterday was a beautiful, perfect illustration of everything we've talked about. Communication, change, and finding a way through the storm to get back. I mean, literally, this is a textbook of the outcome when the focus is clear. Yeah. Well, John, we could both say that we walk our talks, right? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. Bruce yeah. in the pudding. Well, Bombshell, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And I hope that you will take this information, pop over to the show notes on um, amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S, look for John's episode, and then just check out the show notes and the takeaways that he has and think about how you can apply this to your company with what's going on inside of it right now. And basically, if you're breathing, you're moving through change right now, because that is the name of the game, and especially with all the scary AI stuff, which I don't find it scary, but a lot of people do. We know that we are in for more disruption, more change, more unfamiliarity, and we're going to be asked to lead through stuff that we don't even understand yet. So put this episode on repeat, share it with a friend, make sure that if you're on YouTube, like it, leave a comment, share it. If you're on whatever favorite listening app you have, please leave us a rating and review because when you do that, you amplify the show and you put it in front of more eyeballs who are going to depend on your review to see if it's worth their time or not. And to that end, I just want to thank you for spending this time with me and John and, um, and prioritizing yourself as you're continuously developing as a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.